Welcome to the Dungeon Master's Guide, a podcast for new and veteran enthusiasts of Dungeons & Dragons to get all the information you need to run your own game. My name is Nathan Lewis, and I will be your host. This episode will be the first of two surrounding understanding your adventure and creating quests. This first part will focus on the former and the broad strokes of constructing an adventure. Let's get started. A dungeon master has many responsibilities when running their campaign, but creating an adventure is instead the greatest reward. You, as the head of the game, create wonderful worlds, beautiful spaces, dangerous conflicts, and reasons for your players to come back session after session. So there is really no way to go wrong while creating an adventure. There are some pieces of advice which you can follow, however, which can make this process a bit easier and very engaging for your players. Let's imagine a stereotypical story from a book and deconstruct the aspects which make it engaging. This hypothetical book has a hero whom is valuable enough to root for, a threat that is serious enough for our hero to pay attention to it, and a few surprises along the way. This is a very basic and flat perception of a story, but we can allow our adventure to grow from these three facets. One more thing before we continue. As we write our adventure, let's keep in mind that there will be more than one reader, as it is, to our story, the players. Having an engaging story is important, but so is making sure that there is something for all player types. Now, we have quite a lot to cover when it comes to constructing an adventure, but creating a hero is already covered by the players. This allows for the DM to focus on folding in the players as characters into the story arcs, as well as challenging their characters to grow or even break. This can be tackled in three different ways. You could construct the story and then find existing threads to fit your characters into, or you could build the story around their backstories. Let's talk about the third option in a moment. Each of the remaining two approaches have a few benefits and drawbacks. If you build the storylines first and then include the players afterwards, you can have an adventure which can stand on its own two legs and lends itself towards supporting a world which exists outside of the player's decisions. On the other hand, sometimes stories built like this can be impersonal and inflexible because of certain beats required to be hit in order for the story to progress. These type of adventures are great for one-shots where the session is a one-and-done kind of ordeal. The other approach is to use the character backgrounds as your foundation for the adventure as a whole. This can make your players feel like they are actively a part of the existing world, as well as directly responsible for the events within it. However, be careful with this approach because you may need to add a touch of anatomy to the world to make sure you do not give the impression that your realms pause while the players are not actively interacting with them. Let's go back and discuss the third option, a mix of both approaches. 
This can be achieved by having a world which is built on the foundation of character backgrounds, but also incorporates one simple aspect, event timers. What I mean by event timers is thus. If you have an event which is integral to the cadence of your adventure, have three different phases of this event. These phases would be before, during, and after the event occurs. Which one of these your players are faced with depends on how fast or slow they progress to it. Not only can this very quickly add responsibility for their actions, but it can also allow for a semi-strict storyline with enough room for improv. Filling the world with these timed events can assist your adventure breathe and shift with the actions of your heroes. For an example, let's say we have a city which hosts a dangerous entity beneath it whom is on the verge of escaping its mortal bindings. Your players have just learned about this potential danger and are several cities away. If they decide to race towards the city and warn the officials there, they may avert a large catastrophe from occurring. On the other hand, if they decide to go a longer route or not even go at all, they may eventually hear about or find a city which was ravaged by said beast. Event timers are also a great way to throw moral quandaries at your players. If there are several paths they can take, each with their own response window, your players will be torn on where to go with this knowledge that innocents may pay the price for their delay. This is very devious, but you are a dungeon master, so this should be no surprise. With that spoken for, let's dive into something fun, constructing a credible threat. Whether you are running a short one storyline campaign or a multi-year compendium of arcs, your threats will drive and dictate the direction of your adventures. At this point, I would like to also bring in the Dungeon Master's Guide, the book written by the creators of D&D, which this podcast was named after. I will be referencing a few spaces and tables on page 73 through page 80 for this discussion. Now let's create an example to illustrate constructing a plausible threat. Is your big bad a singular person or a large conglomerate? Is it a beast which acts off of impulses? Or is it an intelligent being capable of warped rational thought? Going a bit further, is your great threat a result from a space rooted in human action, or is it sourced from something in the heavens? To answer these questions, let's choose a threat as a demon whom was accidentally summoned by a mage throwing caution to the wind. The next question to answer would be, how does this threat get introduced to our players? To answer this query, you must determine what works best for your campaign. If your adventure is a short and sweet one, have your threat be of equal power to your players and confront them directly. If you have a long tale to tell, we could have our demons start their reign of terror from the shadows, sending out ambassadors to do his dirty work, and only addressing our party if they begin to disrupt his plans. I like that idea, so let's go from there with this question. What is our demon's goal, and what state is he currently at in said plan? Determining a threat's goal, regardless of what type of threat it is, harkens back to the lessons on creating non-player characters, or NPCs, as well as pages 94 and 95 of the book. For our demon, we could say that we want to cause chaos and with it destroy a bloodline. 
Or we could state that they wish to obtain as much power as possible by taking over swaths of land for their Dark Lord. Either of these options are compelling, but let's say our threat is an envy demon, which had honed in on its summer's wish to gain revenge on an academic rival. To gain this goal and achieve it, the demon is slowly deconstructing the rival's life from the inside out. To go along with this, let's also say our demon is causing magical mayhem in the form of hauntings and heavy rain around the rival's abode. The party comes in when they have been investigated and invited to investigate the rival's reports of these occurrences. Now that we have a plausible threat and heroes to battle it, let's turn our attention to encounters and surprises. While I will be discussing the creations of encounters more in depth in a later episode, I would like to briefly bring them into the conversation. Alongside these encounters, let's also discuss adding surprises, mystery, and intrigue. A threat is only as dangerous as you make it, and throwing combat encounters at your players can do much to aid this goal. A journey to a villain's lair could be fraught with wild beasts and petty bandits, or if our villain houses themselves within a known fortress, there could be levels of enemies which our heroes have to battle through. Throughout these encounters, adding surprises in the way of traps, false or misleading corridors, and chances for the party to sneak their way out of trouble can add to a sense of mystery. Also, as your layer and overall adventure is being constructed, building NPCs to aid or hinder the party in subliminal ways can make a story arc all the more inviting and heart-pounding. If a regal noble, which had pledged to help the party, turns out to be the villain's underling the whole time, your players will experience emotions which can add to roleplay and overall fun. Similarly, if an NPC with a troubled background and dubious means grows and throws off their evil doings in order to help the party by the final encounter, your party will be all the more adoring of them. Surprises like these make the sessions fun and entertaining while keeping your players on their toes. As said earlier, your adventure will follow familiar story tropes by having an introduction, climax, and resolution. While your tales do not have to have just one peak of action, identifying a singular important climax can aid to set in stone your overall story threads. Throwing our event timers into the mix, you may determine that a villain's plan will succeed within a certain time frame if the party does not race to stop them. Detailing what happens during the success of their plans and allowing the party to fail while also showing them a way out of their current predicament allows for a tangible climax to be placed before them. Or, if you'd like to be less existential with your threads, having a major climax being a brutal and bloody fight can be equally pleasing. Whatever you choose, make sure to have a villain's goals progress in a plausible way and have them react accordingly if those plans are disrupted. As we speak on adventures and introductions, there are events which you can add to your world to frame the stages of your story. 
Such events could be a council meeting, a monarch's ball, or a consecration of a new temple. These events are primed and ready for a seed of chaos to be introduced into their proceedings. This can lead to a new villain's introduction, or an existing horror to do its dirty work. During these events, you can have a sect of the population viewing the actions of your heroes, creating influence with them if the players jump in and succeed in helping save the innocent, or detrimentally affect the party's reputation with the populace if they stand by and observe. As you are building your adventure and flushing out its surprises, adding a touch of morality to the mix can be a great way to give your players a crisis of heart. On page 79, the book describes this as a crisis that no amount of spellcasting or swordplay can resolve. Placing these moral issues into your story accentuates roleplay and connects the players to the actions of their characters. There are several types of moral quandaries which can be added to your story. The Dungeon Master's Guidebook details these on page 79 and 80, which I will be referencing here. These quandaries resolve around allies, friends, a sense of honor, rescue attempts, and respect issues. If a goal would be easier to achieve with the help of two different merchant guilds that hate each other, this would be described as an ally quandary. If the group has to choose between saving an innocent life and capturing the villain, this would be a rescue quandary. Whatever you choose for a moral issue, make sure that it is difficult enough for your players to at least hesitate, with their characters being changed after interacting with it. As you begin to finalize your adventure, begin to concretely think about physical items to give to your players, as well as regional maps. While Dungeons & Dragons is best played in your head, having a map or a page of a book to hand to your players to, can draw in their interest and keep their imagination centered on the storyline. Whether these items are scratchings on a musty piece of paper, a well-worn map of your world, or even a physical incarnation of an important bauble, giving physical items to your players can help them imagine the world around them. Now let's say you wish to place an existing adventure into your world, or even have help with your world as a whole. Thankfully, we live in an era with access to a myriad of extremely creative people whom publish their adventures for other dungeon masters to follow. Do not be ashamed of gaining help in this way. There are so many resources for creating your own adventure at every corner on the internet, so explore them in your leisure and give your players a great time. And that is part one of creating your own adventure. Next episode, we will be discussing quests and how to link them into your overall adventure storyline. Thank you for listening. Please send any questions to me at the Tilted Crown 6 on Twitter. See you next week.